Hello everyone! Welcome to 2020 with the left page! Yes, finally! We've been on a small vacation. Maybe my... I was thinking about this right now that my English may be a little rusty, but we will go on. Yeah, we'll get back to it. <laughs> yeah. uh, as always, I'm Frank, joined by my lovely man of fine letters, Bruno. <laughs> so, we're here today with a new year, yeah. uh, finally. Yeah. <laughs> And we we have a couple of news, some stuff that we've been thinking about and that we're working for 2020. Yes. And the 20s, if all goes well. Uh, first of all, uh, we, we I want to apologize about not getting anything out during the holiday season and New Year. Mostly because, well, Bruno was uh, ghastly sick. Yeah. So he, he needed to recover. Yeah. And as, although I was thinking about doing a couple of things and just like... Sort of just talking about what we were thinking about New Year and all that. It ended up being more productive just doing that. Yeah, exactly. And uh, handling the holiday season. And now I'm actually a bit ill. <laughs> uh, although I'm better than I was at the start of the week. So that's nice. Yeah, so we are back. Yeah, it, it was a bit bizarre because I was. it was the first time that I actually went like a full week with fever and just staying in bed like the whole fucking week and it was terrible and it, yeah it, it, it really it, it wouldn't be productive to to try to record anything <laughs> so yeah and yeah but it, I mean, the point is it, it was holidays we did a bit of relaxing and now we are back and it, lots of reading yeah exactly as always yeah <laughs> so yeah now we're back full force with uh, and that's something we wanted to mention. We scheduled most of what we're going to do, at least for the first semester already. Yeah. So hopefully things should be going out a lot more on time. Yeah. And different reads and longer reads. Yeah. So and deeper that analysis be nice. as well. Because yeah. yeah, the the point is here we, being completely honest, we actually just let things roll most of the times. Like we read the the story or the the novel separately and then we go here and we just debate about it and mm -hmm. try to have just a nice conversation that is uh, being recorded yeah. and we we don't mean to lose this kind of aspect but we also want to get some more deep deeper analysis on the things that we are reading exactly and that's one of the reasons why like taking the time to structure what we're going to do and how we're going to do it yeah. It is, it is very helpful. Yeah, and it helps us too in like planning and preparing for longer reads and longer books. Yeah. So yeah, expect some expect some heavy stuff, <laughs> uh, for sure. Yeah. As a little hint, what we're gonna do the other episode we're gonna release on January is gonna be classic sci-fi yeah so that's gonna be amazing yeah. still haven't read it though uh, <laughs> but neither. by the time that <laughs> this comes out we're either already reading it or we're gonna be recording it soon in like a week yeah uh, so don't worry it's things are in motion yeah exactly which is great yeah another uh, update we actually have a new microphone oh yeah almost forgot about that yeah <laughs> So we were we took like half an hour to set up this microphone today, but it's yeah. yeah I bought a new camera because actually I'm going to start filming and doing some 
things not related to literature, not related to anything. It's about uh, climbing and sports, but yeah, uh, and I bought a new camera and it, it came with a really, really nice microphone. So there's that. We have really better quality of audio now, but really um, superior than any of the things that we had before. Yes. So yeah, that's a, that's a plus. Yeah, this, this should work better. And although it may take a little bit of time figuring out how... <laughs> How best to make it work? Yeah, and at least the physical setup took a little while, but it should work better uh, going on forward, and it's not really uncomfortable, which yeah. is great. So yeah, it, it's it should be better. Yeah, it will likely be better. <laughs> so that's amazing. Yeah. Hello everyone. Uh, this is editing Frank here. Just wanted to mention something before we actually get to the actual meat of the episode. I. Just wanted to let you know that we talk about certain mention the content warning about like rape, radios of violence, suicide, even if not that uh, like uh, more deep emotional aspect. Still, just wanted to mention for anyone listening. Although these things come up a bit later during the episode, they do come up, and I do make a, a content warning next time. Uh, but I just wanted to add this here in any case because I think it's worth mentioning. Uh, in any case, please listen or don't, to, according to your own discretion or uh, help. So, yeah, in any case, thank you so much and enjoy. So, yeah, all that being said, that's that's the news, that's the updates we have for you. And now uh, to the literature. Yeah. So, to the, the short story that I picked for today is it's actually a short story that I worked on for a little while last semester because I took a course, I think I mentioned it here, on uh, Japanese literature. Yeah. Uh, contemporary Japanese literature, so like 20th century, pretty much. And this is actually one of the first authors and short stories that we read. I'm going to talk about the author, then I'm going to talk about the short story, uh, just as an introduction, and then we'll get to it. Uh, the author we're going to talk about is Hianosuke Akutagawa. He was uh, a Japanese writer, student of language, and he was someone who, interestingly, ended up studying at university English authors, English writers, because at university you could choose various languages and other things to study, and he went for the English. And that shows, especially in the short story that we're going to talk about, where there are very explicit references, which I'll get to in a moment. Yeah. But he was mostly about uh, 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 related to a literary current, as if you take that concept, which was called the like the new thought. Yeah. And it was to return to a time before the Meiji period. We're talking about these are the nineteen nineteen tens, nineteen twenties. Yeah. So yeah, this actual short story is from nineteen twenty one. So it's going to be a hundred years old yeah. next year. Yeah. Oh yeah, go figure. <laughs> <laughs> and. It was definitely about returning before that time, but also to go through ideas and works from Europe. Yeah. So it was an actual current of writing that related a lot with like this intertextuality of connecting different texts and works with explicit or implicit references that connected different authors, different schools, and which created a very... The way of putting it, I think, is a very erudite writing. Yeah. That while you read uh, independently and at first glance, or second and third, uh, you can get a lot from it. 
knowing these references, you're able to sort of establish more, a lot more from the actual short story. Yeah. And we're going to go through a couple of these references, which will help to establish what this particular short story is connected to. Although some things are fairly obvious, yeah. uh, as we'll see. And uh, actually, uh, j just to clarify, I didn't do the 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 course with Frank, so this will be a surprise to me <laughs> as well. The the references that and, and it's it's especially um, a nice short story to read because it has this investigative uh, side, which is it keeps you like on the tip tip of your toes, like trying to be the uh the detective yourself so it's actually nice to me as well to be able to know about this reference that i don't have idea about <laughs> yeah like in this short story which i will get to now it has internal references uh to japan other japanese works of literature uh from centuries before uh but also it has like sort of similar contemporary references like from the 19th century to english writers yeah so that's very interesting uh how it's able to connect different traditions and create a literary work that connects them both but presents a different perspective and focus on other aspects yeah so the 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 short story we're going to talk about is from 1921 and it is called in english in a grove or the edition we found in english in a bamboo grove yeah it tells the story of, well, it's composed of, I believe it's like six different testimonies related to the murder of a samurai. Uh, his body was found in a grove by a woodsman. Uh, this is first testimony number one. Testimony number two, we find a uh, Buddhist monk. Exactly. Who saw the, the aforementioned samurai and a woman heading into a nearby grove. Yeah. Third, we have the, uh, a police officer who saw, who I, I think he captured a particular thief, yeah. Tajomaru, yeah. and he was uh, carrying a bow and arrow that the samurai was carrying. Yeah. Then we have the thief himself. No, then we have uh, an mm. old woman yeah. uh, who the is the mother of the woman who was who was with the samurai but was missing. Yeah. <laughs> then we have the testimony of the thief. Yeah. Uh, then we have the testimony of the woman, 07. And finally, we have the testimony of the samurai via medium. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently, that is not unprecedented either. Go figure. But it's still bizarre. Yeah. And this, in a sense, it's these, especially like the woman, the thief and the samurai, which are the three characters directly involved in the story and in the murder, who tell their own version of that story, and you as like a reader and as this sort of detective to interact with the text and like, okay, so what exactly happened? <laughs> and you don't it's really find out. Yeah, you don't find out, and at the end of the day, you can't, and yeah. it doesn't matter. Yeah. It's about this... It's nerve-wracking. Exactly. It's this investigation. <laughs> yeah. uh, this could be... This is sort of an unofficial, like, Detective Stories episode. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not going to put it on the title like the other ones, because it's not that explicit. But it, it is connected to that idea, to this type of reader that will look and try to seek the truth and the answer. And yeah. this is the testimony... The, 
the entire short story is made of testimonies. The only thing we know for certain is the samurai died in the grove. Yeah. And that's about it. We don't know exactly how he died, who killed him, and who was who would be responsible in a way. Yeah. Although we can make certain sensible uh, idea have certain <laughs> sensible ideas about it. Yeah. So yeah, uh, uh, just for mentioning the like some of these references, there are similarities because at the end of the day that what happens in the bamboo grove is that a man and a woman are led into the grove by a thief, this aforementioned thief, Tajomaru. Yeah. And he proceeds to sort of trick and tie up the man, and he leads the woman inside and sort of wrestles with her a bit because he has a knife, but and then he proceeds to, uh, well, I'll put a content warning beforehand, uh, yeah. but he proceeds to rape her. Yeah. And... Although that is not really... It's not explicit. Yeah, it's not the focus on that. It's more on yeah. the matter of honor and how that connects to the woman, the samurai, the man. Yeah. All that. Yeah. And although that is something that comes up beforehand on other stories, the, the references I have are from Yabunonaka and Konjaku 12. So where these this idea of a husband being witness to such a violence to his wife while being tied up shows up before in the Japanese literary past. While the matter of the testimonies and this sort of police novel story, uh, quotation marks, is, is common in other two different English writers who talk about this and have similar stories. Uh, the re direct references are Robert Browning, in a book called The Ring and the Book, which is a murder under the perspective of 12 characters. <laughs> so that is a lot more difficult and bizarre. Yeah. Because, okay, we have seven testimonies here, but you can argue that four aren't necessarily involved about the murder. Yeah. They're sort of like these sort of framing devices. Or like they set up the scene. Yeah. Which is actually concluded by the three people involved in the murder. And the other one is by Ambrose Bierce, uh, Moonlight Over the Road, which is apparently quite similar to this one as well. But these are all references from Japan and England that bring out, or the United Kingdom, that bring out this idea of a particular sort of story, violence between a samurai, a thief, and or a criminal, and his wife, Oh, the samurai's wife, and the detective aspect that comes from the English. Yeah. So it's sort of a mixture between the both, which creates a very interesting short story, and a very difficult one. It is. It definitely brings out some interesting things. There, there are a few, at least two or three aspects that we will talk about with a bit more care. But before we get into that. What, uh, so I've been talking a lot, sorry. Bruno. No, no. Does anyone want to say about the short story, uh, your impressions, what do you think about it, and before we get on to like, a sort of main topic which the story brings about with the testimonies? Yeah, so uh, the thing about this short story is, to me, uh, it, it's, it's kind of hard not to talk about what we were talking earlier, that it should be like the center of the 
the idea of the short story that it, which is trusting like trust in general mm -hmm. and the value of truth yes the problem is uh, for example we already talked about uh, and this uh, it remembered me of something for example the Brazilian author uh, Machado de Assis has a book called uh, Memórias Póstumas de Brascubas which is mm -hmm. a, basically a testimony of a dead man talking about his life yes. but he's talking from the grave so it should be and in in kind of a in a literature analysis and critic uh doing something like this should be like why would a dead man lie if he <laughs> doesn't have any other if he doesn't have uh, a reason to uh, if he doesn't have like an honor and an image to maintain because he's already dead yeah so in in that aspect i read the the short story and the last testimony is from the dead man from a medium so <laughs> you end up in the first read i read it and i was like so yeah i i was so focused on the last thing that he says on the short story which evokes and and brings you to try to grasp who was the real murderer, what what story was the real one, what story should I trust. But then you come back and, and think, wait, but even if the guy is dead and even if all those things happen, why should I trust the dead guy as well? Yeah. <laughs> Because there's there's no... He has no advantage. He has no more credibility than the thief or the wife or anyone in the short story. Yeah, like, he may be <laughs> dead, but, like, he's still, like, a human being. Yeah. So and his he testimony... carries that pride, that honor yeah, that and he wants to maintain. Exactly, and, and he his testimony is filled with anger and jealousness. And so, at the same time, you can't distrust him and say, oh, he's lying. Because it's it's really so meticulous to talk about the short story. Uh, that's why I loved it so much. Yeah, it's it definitely puts into question like what is the truth in these testimonies? Yeah, and like we have no real clue. Yeah, and it brings the question to real life as well. I mean, how many how many cases have been solved? And in actuality, not solved because the testimonies were good enough to make a story look like it was in a way that it wasn't. Yeah, <laughs> it, it uh, it's yeah. not really an, an easy to answer question or a question that can even be answered because like all these parties have an interest in their story. Like the thief Tajomaru, he upholds his uh, bravado. His adventure spirit, his his strength, his power, and his manliness, if you will. Yeah. And the woman is sort of trying to like preserve some sort of integrity or honor, even in this devastation. And the 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 dead, he is preserving his like his still honor, his integrity still. Uh, even beyond the grave, in, yeah. in a very angry and vindictive way. Yeah, it's <laughs> you can't really trust any of them. Yeah. they all have an interest in their particular story, even if they don't really realize it. Yeah, like the woman, for example, I'm not exactly sure she she's aware of it, 
because and that's something you were talking about the language of the short story is almost like the, it's these testimonies but it's almost like theatric script yeah because it's sort of got these stage directions like Tajomaru laughs or uh, yeah, malicious no, smile yeah, yeah like the, or the woman <laughs> is crying yeah or turning away so it it, it it paints a particular image and if especially thinking about the woman like the way she's crying and feeling the, this pain this loss it's difficult to not believe her even if not all of that is true yeah so that is still convincing even if not as stable or solid as the story of the others yeah you can't really establish who did it that's not what the short story is posing to us it is presenting this to us but it's not asking us to answer it's like these are the testimonies yeah so what <laughs> or what then no, yeah what like, then exactly. can we accuse anyone yeah and i think that will lead later on to what we have to talk about a particular line from Tejomaru, which will bring interesting things yeah but let's not get ahead of ourselves yeah uh, there's a lot to talk just about like this this matter of truth I think we should carry on with what you were mentioning about, like, the dead being, like, not necessarily being honest. Yeah. Because that is... That's... The dead talking is a weird literary presence. Yeah. That is, like, ancient, yeah. literally. Yeah. But it's... It, it is many things, like... And, I, I was reading recently because I, I in, the, in the way to try and understand literature more, I'm reading Auerbach's Mimesis, which is one hell of a read. Yeah, <laughs> it's incredibly difficult and dense, but it's not as terrible. Yeah, it is doable. Yeah, in time. <laughs> uh, I was just reading this chapter where he was talking about Dante and uh, uh, the Divine Comedy. And it's really interesting because the image that we have of like the people in hell is sort of like this freeze frame of their most individual and powerful essence eternalized forever. Yeah. It's like what these people did or were preserved in the, like its essence. That's why I mentioned the freeze frame. Yeah. And I, I think like both the samurai or even you were talking about Braskubas, like uh, the po his posthumous memories. Yeah, it, it's it's sort of that, like the way we think about like this these figures after death, uh, be it the samurai in limbo, as he mentions a couple of different times, or Braskubas in the limbo that he might be. Yeah, he's still himself. Like, death is not seen as, like, this purification. Yeah. There's no, like, transit. He doesn't become a different person. He's still him. Exactly. And it it also has the opposite uh, sense that uh, normal belief has that, oh, death is a transition. And then you, as you said, you purge yourself. It, it's just a, a, a continuation. Like, <laughs> it's just the same thing. Like, he... he and that that's the the other point I was thinking about while you were talking. If the dead could talk, if the dead could talk about themselves, why wouldn't they they rendify their, themselves? Yeah. Why wouldn't you, if you are dead, talk about your life history in a in a better manner? Like that that's the and that's other point which connects with the value of truth, which is memory. Yes. Memory is 
never trustable. Yeah. In a way. So the the point of getting inside the uh, inside the mind of the the person who actually died, it isn't as well trustworthy because even the the person that has been assassinated will talk about themselves in a manner of seeing itself as well as trying to go through the 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 thing which happened by memory you know yeah. in a personal way yeah unless like unless that person is already humble they're not going to become humble all yeah, of a sudden exactly it's sort of like it, it's a permanence of what this person was yeah and that is a very, it's a common way that this shows up in literature yeah. or even like in media or whatever like that there isn't always like a sort of that, that can happen but there isn't always like a realization after death that is like sort of uh, that grants this humility no that sometimes it's just no I, i'm dead but i'm, I'm <laughs> I still to... me really yeah so if we think about this it's like if the samurai is dead and he was sort of like at least how Tajomaru put points him out to be uh, greedy and like sort of concerned with honor and all that yeah then that's not going to change because he's dead yeah exactly that's going to remain that's, that's another really good point because we tend to see this kind of this kind of question about honor like oh honor is such a a nice thing to strive to to go at it but it's if you want more honor it's about a bit about greed as well yeah it's interesting never so, never thought about it because, that way but uh, makes sense yeah because th that's the point like well it, it, it's hard to talk about this because it, it, it it's so much more in ingrained in Japanese culture and yeah, and it's a different it's a, honor than like the Western honor exactly. that we're accustomed to, like chivalry and all that. Exactly, it's an honor like related to the Bushido code and exactly. other values, which again make a lot of sense and are not really negative. Yeah, but at the same time, it's 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 not like as I I was thinking, it's not like a hundred percent like oh this is perfect, this is the purity of philosophical and strict meaning of it it's it's also a, a, a type of greed of wanting mm. more of it so. yeah it sort of finds this mundane way of coming out exactly and how it manifests in a way that can be quite insidious yeah the same way or perhaps in different ways but the same way like chivalry as a set of values is one of its many problems it's inherently like sexist yeah so that's a problem yeah and it has ways of coming up that even if it's like oh it's honor disrespect but it's like between like this cast of knights yeah only this class of noblemen but who gives a shit about the peasants and whatnot is like this paternalist posturing and all that yeah and i'm not saying these are the same with the this sort of West uh, Japanese honor, yeah. but like pointing out how this Western honor has these problems. Much similarly, it is understandable to think that there are other types of problems yeah. in this sort of Bushido exactly. Exactly. Uh, or at least not in it, but in the way it manifests, yeah, which yeah. is at the end of the day what it matters really. Exactly. So yeah, that that is never thought about that, but it makes sense. Yeah. Because it's sort of this pursuit or like to be more honorful to be constantly honorful and it is it's a social pressure as well yeah exactly. but it 
it can take the form of a certain greed, the necessity to have more honor, honor as a sort of quantifiable thing. Yeah. So I think that's a, a good read. Yeah. I think now we can transition to the other bit, unless you have something more to talk about like this. No. Uh, oh, of course. Regardless of all these testimonies and the value of truth being something quite difficult to point out. Yeah. One of the things that we can... De- like, regardless, the man's dead. Yeah. Uh, something <sighs> happened in that clearing. Oh, no. My, my mistake. Two things of which uh, seem to be common. Like, one is evident and the other one I, I think we can safely assume that they happen. Uh, the woman was violated by yeah. uh, Tajomaru. That yeah. seems to be a thing. Yeah. And the samurai's dead. Yeah. So, like, regardless of how exactly these things happened or whoever was ultimately responsible, be it the woman, uh, Tajomaru, the samurai himself, yeah. this this violence and this death happened. Yeah. So, like, these things we can't really change because they're not up for change. Yeah. So I think that even if we have put this question of, like, how can we find truth or what is truth in this regard, and be it, like, this sort of investigative truth in this, in this detective way, yeah. there are things that we can't really avoid and things which are there, these... There's no point in debating that they didn't happen. Yeah. And, like, okay, we may not have the exact same proof that the woman suffered this violence, but it happened, so, you know, it it seems to be a thing, and there's no reason to, you know, exactly. disprove it. Yeah. So, I, I think that, at the same time that we question what can be truth, the, where each and every character, by trying to defend their story is telling, saying more about themselves exactly. than anything else, uh, there are things which happened and are truth and that we can't and shouldn't really doubt. Yeah. Like the man died and the woman's violated. Yeah. So I think those are things that we can like, okay. So if there are other things which we can't really solve yet or at all, yeah. there are things which we know and happened. Yeah. So that's worth pointing out. Yeah. Not everything is relative or not everything is up for debate. No, there are things which are clear and, well, they they, they happened. Yeah. So, yeah, just worth pointing out, I think. <laughs> okay, so, all that said, reflecting and thinking about this matter of truth, uh, there's something, it's quite particular, but I think it draws out a lot to, like, the historical time. And I'll, I'll get to it and we'll we'll go through it. Uh, bit by bit because it's it's powerful in a lot of different ways and it definitely goes out of just like the Meiji period. So, okay, he, he, this is a part of the of Tajomaru's testimony yeah. where he talks about like uh, killing a man and how he wanted to be with the woman, hopefully without killing the man. Yeah. So, and then he talks about killing. When I kill a man, I do with my sword, but people like you don't use swords. You, he means like the police officers, yeah. the state, if you want, yeah. Yeah, pull, pulling it up there. <laughs> you gentlemen kill with your power, with your money, and sometimes just with your words. You tell people you're doing them a favor. True, no blood flows, the man is still alive, but you've killed him all the same. I don't know whose sin is greater, yours or mine. And, and in parentheses, a sarcastic smile. <laughs> 
So yeah, l- let's let's go through that. You gentlemen kill with your power, with your money, and sometimes just with your words. That seems a bit like state violence, doesn't it? It sounds like all the types of state violence. <laughs> Basically, like to the letter. Yeah. Uh, uh, although he does miss out the fact that sometimes they do use their sword and sometimes blood does flow. Yeah, but if, they but they don't need to. Yeah. That's the most like scary part of it. Yeah. They don't even need to go that far sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. like with power, money, and wars, that's enough. Enough. Yeah. And it's uh, I, I was thinking about it. It's so funny because this podcast is about. Uh, leftist uh, readings and and discussions, and the the most interesting part about it, it's that we don't choose the short stories or the novels uh, that we like. Oh, this has a nice uh, thing to talk about in the in this sort of leftist debate. No, we just read what we want, but those kinds of things just appear. Yeah, so it's it's really nice because it's it, it and it's as as Frank said, it, it, this short story will be on its a hundredth an, uh, anniversary, and it poses things that we should be talking about today. Yeah, <laughs> in a very powerful way. Like yeah. if we think about the, the time of this short story, we're going to be talking about. The violence of like the Japanese state yeah. and how it was on this path that we we know it ends up on World War Two with this very powerful nationalism, imperialism, militarism. So the this overbearing, this incredibly powerful, gigantic state that is oppressive. That is, if we go now today, we think about the U.S. Yeah, uh, or most states. Uh, let's be honest. Yeah, uh, but especially the U.S. They kill with power, they kill with money, they kill with words. Yeah. Because a lot of the times, especially against its own people, that's sufficient. Yeah. And even against others, like, to kill with money, you think about, like, sanctions. Yeah. Uh, to kill with words, you think a lot about, like, sentences. You think about incarceration. Oh, culture, uh, in a way. Like, yeah. The the gigantical industry of culture, the the, the type of, not intimidation, but the type of overbearing of all the other cultures with U.S. music, U.S. games, U.S. literature, U.S. all of the things. Like, I, I was talking about the other day, um, for us Brazilians, it's actually a bizarre thing to think about that I don't remember the last day in my life which I didn't heard or read a word in English. Mm-hmm. And that's bizarre. Like, when was the last time, I mean, even if you are, like, lost in the woods, like, if you are on the Amazon rainforest, you will get your cell phone in a certain moment of the day, and you will open it, and there will be a word in English. It's, uh, it, it's, uh, it, it, it's more ingrained in our lives that we, that we even can think about. <laughs> yeah, that that makes sense. Yeah. And yeah, go on. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, go ahead. Uh, and yeah, it's it, it's and it's it's really scary to think about like the the U.S. the the kind of like the organization of the government and the way that they deal with 
like the people they jail, the 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 crimes, the the FBI, the the CIA, the all those things like uh, it 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 has became to the point uh, it has come to the point where they have found a way to control their population, so they have so much uh, experience with it and so much money to spend that they start doing with the rest of the world. Yeah, there like, are military bases in all of the places that you can imagine. Yeah, like it's <laughs> it's absolutely absurd. Like, yeah. and we think about like last year and especially now the whole thing yeah. with Iran. Yeah. Because uh, you know, death to the USA. I think that's always fair to say. But like we think last year, we think about like the coup in Bolivia. We think about like the way these these narratives that come out from like the official institutions or even like news of the US that's like oh no but there was a resignation there wasn't a coup it's like you're like legitimizing this violence and the way these things are happening yeah other than the fact that it's how it's been happening like for the latter part of a century now yeah. the US has literally meddled everywhere yeah like I love that list like Oh, the places where the U.S. had a direct involvement in military coups. And then you look at the indirect one where it's like, oh, it's even more. Yeah. Because of course he did. Yeah. Other than the places, like, as you talked about, like, so many military bases. And then we're going to talk about the wars and the bombings and just, it's like, it's endless. Sanctions, yeah. It's fucking endless yeah. how much the U.S. destroys and kills, like, at times with real swords or real weapons, yeah. uh, a lot of the time blood flows. Yeah. But sometimes, like words and money and money and power is sufficient to put the, all that more considered criminal activity in the hands of others. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's a lot easier to like try and establish a puppet government somewhere uh, with someone who is literally just like proclaimed themselves president. <laughs> Uh, and that can be both uh, Bolivia or Venezuela, yeah. if you think about it, exactly. uh, then, you know, uh, just doing it yourself, even if sometimes they do it themselves. Yeah. Uh, Iraq and Iran. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, it's yeah, it's the, interesting and, how... Oh, go ahead. And, and the best part is to think about how, like, they, like, do a sanction and the a whole country and the people in it go into poverty and complete chaos and then people not from the left or people that are misinformed go and say oh but that is a communist country it's obvious that they are poor and it's <laughs> obvious that they are in uh, poverty and chaos because they are communists but that's not how it works <laughs> yeah like think about cuba yeah. like think about how cuba suffered during the 90s yeah like when the soviet union collapsed and like it had no economic partners like it's, uh, I'm not sure if you know this, maybe I'll cut it later, but like, the, one of the problem, one of the things about the US sanctions in Cuba is that Cuba was considered like sort of a terrorist or criminal state. Yeah. So like, if any company like sort of did like commerce with Cuba, they would be considered criminal. So it's like, that's just insane. Yeah. Like, the, the lengths you go to literally like starve out people yeah like so like a, a, it doesn't yeah people suffer like people on the ground are always the ones who are gonna suffer to sanctions exactly. to war like 
the, the people who declare war are never the people who directly suffer from war, exactly. really. Yeah. It's like, yeah. It, it's and it, it's it's fantastic how like a simple line from this short story from almost a hundred years ago from this character who is like he's a thief. Like, yeah. He committed violence. He maybe killed a man. Yeah. But violated yeah. a woman. Yeah. And was a thief in general. And even though. How he points out like <laughs> this about like the violence and the suppressive regime in the Meiji period. Yeah. But it's a sort of violence that has only like escalated elsewhere in the US, for yeah. example. Yeah. And not just mainly like most of the 20th century is a testimony to how it's so easy for the US to kill with power, with money, with words. And delegates the task of wielding the sword of the gun to others. Yeah. So this definitely comes up quite a bit. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That that was a nice topic to talk about. I, I wasn't expecting that. Yeah, like that. Because it's just that's like one of the things about literature. Sometimes like the simplest thing can lead or point to further yeah. things. Yeah. Because, like, th there's no real definition of, of a time or place. It's like, it's in a bamboo grove. We know there's, like, this sort of police uh, station, narrative, whatever. But we don't get much about it. The most direct indication of the society, or of the society that we are led to in the short story, is of the violence of the criminal. And the way he says that yeah. about this, the violence that this state perpetrates, and he questions, who is more sinful, you or I? I who killed directly with my sword, uh, without subterfuge, without lying, without hiding things. <laughs> I go openly, honestly, if you will. Yeah. Uh, or you who do everything to literally destroy a man while he retains his life. Yeah. And how little that matters, even if blood does not flow. Yeah. And other thing that is interesting about Tajomaru that I was thinking about is that he ends his testimony saying that he wants the he wants to be killed. Uh, he wants the I, I don't know the in English like the a pena massima. Yeah, the, uh, the 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 capital punishment. Yeah, the capital punishment. So it, it's actually uh, we have three characters that have three different relations with life and death. We have the dead man who yeah. talks. The, in limbo. The, in limbo, the man that is alive and wants to be killed, like in a imagetical and uh, aesthetical way of like, yes, I'm going to be punished by what I did, and I I don't care about it. I I, I don't fear it. Yeah, he says like, oh, I'm gonna be caught and killed someday, but I, so I might as well do it now. Yeah, exactly. And we have the the woman. Who, who actually tries to, in her testimony, tries to kill herself and fails to do fails so. to do so. Yeah, yeah. She says how she, in her testimony, how she intended to kill her husband because he seemed to uh, show with his luck the idea of hate, of anger, and towards her. Yeah, towards her. And she says like, "Okay, husband, I will kill you, and then I will kill myself." And she does to him, but. Later, she she says she claims that she Tries tried to. to kill herself, but yeah. she couldn't. So yeah, that's uh, interesting. Yeah, to say the least. Yeah. So I think we should talk about the testimony of the dead man just yeah. to clean things up a bit because we are talking about a whole bunch of things. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So 
as we were talking earlier, most of the testimonies and the confessions talk about more about their the the person that is talking than yeah. the whole case and the murder and the and the rape and all of those things. Mm-hmm. And it's it's really like the the testimony of the of the dead man. It's and other thing that I I was thinking about like the whole story of the medium. Like it's so funny because literature has such a a nice power to like break barriers even if you don't trust the medium in real life yeah you come to the the part of the medium which is the last part and you just like eat up the words because you want to know what what the dead man has to say <laughs> and it's i, I think it, that's really funny because it, it's it's a way that literature just like goes over things that most people would say, "Oh, I don't believe this bullshit. I I will not be I will not be able to do that." But when it comes to a, to a book and you are on the last like page and a half, you are holy shit. The the dead man will speak. I will I will listen to it. <laughs> yeah, and like it does bring the question: like, do you trust the actual medium? Exactly. That's another level of like trusting and truth and exactly. Yeah, because we've been considering like, okay, the medium's testimony is the dead man's testimony. Yeah. But, but you is know, it, is it <laughs> exactly? Yeah, and it is definitely like it is this question of like, what does he have to hide or to say? Like he this this freeze frame that he wants to preserve his honor. Yeah, and exactly the honor is the the worst part about it because if he's talking about it and if this thing is going to be considered in the whole investigation. So, if he's dead, he wants to be remembered as a honorable man. Yeah. So, <laughs> it's even worse. <laughs> yeah, it's like the idea of surviving through memory to a whole other level. Yeah. Where it's quite literally, no, this is my me- my story. This is my memory. Yeah. Which is exactly what Braskubas does. Yeah. Maybe the real story is just the thief came and just destroyed him and it's like the 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 testament of Tajomaru they just fought and Tajomaru won and the his wife was raped and that's the end of the story all of his honor is gone and he he like if the dead man wants to speak he will not he will not want to corroborate and confirm this story exactly <laughs> yeah that's the matter of all stories telling a lot more about the characters themselves than like the actual story exactly They're like it's the same way talking about like how how he committed suicide in order to preserve his honor exactly but to not be like dishonored like towards his wife or towards himself and this uh, like sort of humiliation yeah. that he was faced with yeah so it, it's Especially his testimony, if we're to take it as an actual testimony, it one that once it's one that once again reinforces what like he's already standing for, what he's already defending as this this honorable samurai. Yeah. While not pointing out like much about the thief or anything, it's yeah. again it's the focus on him. Yeah. And how he was responsible for it. It was by his own hand, no one else's. Yeah. So yeah, it's <laughs> and then the the ending phrase 
I think we should read it. Yeah, yeah let, let me get it because I I had it in uh just because I think, I think it's worth it because it's again whether we trust it or not it's still interesting to think about here because he was mentioning how he ended up stabbing himself with the dagger which was the only thing that remained and but then he his, as he was like sort of fading away like then this scene happens yeah so i will read it then stealthy footsteps came up to me i tried to see who it was but the darkness had closed in all around me someone that someone gently pulled the dagger from my chest with an invisible hand again a rush of blood filled my mouth but then i sank once and for all into the darkness between lives yeah <laughs> so the invisible hand like it, it, it's it's the absurd of not having any clue which one did it it's like in the darkness and then a hand comes and it's an invisible <laughs> yeah it's like removes the dagger because that's the one thing we don't know exactly what happens yeah like, we don't know what end the dagger had exactly so who knows yeah who knows <laughs> this is definitely a mystery and a detective story which has no real solution exactly rather it has three solutions yeah <laughs> and we are left to wonder which one we stand with the most or not yeah so yeah uh that's that's i think that's a good <laughs> that's a right it's difficult episode to start the year yeah, exactly that, that's the point of like uh, uh it was funny because we we just like did a bit of organization of what we we're going to talk about but the reading this short story is almost like doing detective's work yeah it's about reading and rereading and reconsidering like oh but what if we analyze this in such a way exactly. or in that way or this way and it, we organize it but we actually just like not rambled but we went and came back and went again and it, it's and this ending it, it does exactly that to you like so even the person which suffered like the terminal murder and that has like the key to maybe solve where some things went and some things happened he doesn't know as well yeah and, <laughs> and and that's really even more bothering because is he hiding something does he really not know so he's not talking about it, it it's just <laughs> It's just mind-boggling. <laughs> yeah, and like even if you think like, were the woodsman, were the monk hiding some something? Was the old woman hiding something? Was the officer hiding something? They all might have been. Yeah. But we don't know. Yeah. Even they say so little, so it's even difficult. But even yeah, more like difficult. Yeah, like the 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 thief, he was already famous, so maybe someone found the dagger and just like took it to the police officer and oh, here's the dagger, just jail this guy because he already committed other crimes so he is the 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 one that we need to charge but maybe maybe it was the wife maybe it was suicide like he did maybe like yeah, <laughs> the list goes knows? on <laughs> who, knows? <laughs> who knows who knows uh but yeah i think i think this is a good wrap yeah and we will definitely get back to you soon yeah. Because uh, there are other things in the works, as well as some stuff we're gonna have to catch up on November, December, and January for like Patreon content, yeah. and which 
For now, it might be similar or sort of the same. Uh, regardless, we uh, I just want to stop here and thank all our patrons. I want to thank like uh, FJ uh, Fujimoto, I believe, uh, who has been our very first patron and is yeah. still a patron. So thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs> uh, I, I definitely want to thank like Revleft because you know they've been here. Before this was a thing, and yeah. they support us directly, so that's great. Yeah. Uh, I want to thank like Andre. Andre's great. Uh, Andre Noble, he he's fantastic. You're great, Andre. Thank you for always <laughs> listening. Yeah. Um, I want to thank again like Jason Bean. Thank you so much for your support. Uh, Axiomatic, who ever since I I spoke some more about about it on the Rev Left Discord, came to support us too. So thank you so much. And finally, I oh no, two more. Uh, I want to thank. Uh, I think that's all of them. Uh, uh, I think want to thank Ibrahim, who this has definitely become someone I've been happy to know recently. And thank you for all your support. And finally, the the horror vanguard. You're amazing. Yeah. Uh, love you all. <laughs> so thank you so much. We we hope to keep making content that you all find interesting, that you enjoy, and that is good. Hopefully. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, so uh, thank you, thank you so much. Uh, uh, uh for everyone, like our patron is patreon.com forward slash left page. We have some stuff there. Uh, there's a public post if there's something you want to comment or tell us about for 2020. Like things are still exactly. in the works and being defined, so yeah. any and all input will be most appreciated. Yeah. And uh, we have different and various chats and poetry uh, analysis and works. So that's pretty good. Uh, other than that, you can find us on Twitter at, at uh, leftpagepod, uh, where I'm always like talking and retweeting and chatting with other left podcasters who are amazing. So yeah, uh, that that is our first 2020 episode, yeah. the first of many, the first of many with good quality and hopefully a better my quality, yeah. <laughs> uh, if all goes well in editing. Yeah. And yeah, just thank you for everything. Thank you so much. Thank you. And we we will be back soon. Thank you so much for listening. Until the next one.
Everybody needs a light. 